0: Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. From the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Tuesday, July 2nd. I'm Wayne Kratt. Ahead... When Teddy Washington was confronted by police almost one year ago near a Clayton Road restaurant, his story of being an African-American falsely suspected of dining and dashing made national news. Now he's reflecting on the incident. We were trying to
1: get back to WashU. There were no Metrolinx at that time of the morning anymore. So yes, we we walked back to WashU and uh, everything kind of sunk in on the, on the walk back.
0: St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis reports on how Washington is remembering the case nearly one year later. First, the news. A federal civil rights office is investigating sexual harassment at Webster University. As St. Louis Public Radio's Kay Petrin reports, it comes after students publicly criticized the school for taking more than one year to address claims that a professor sexually harassed a student. The federal investigation may determine whether Webster needs to change the way its Title IX office investigates sexual misconduct complaints. After an independent audit last month, a school official acknowledged in an internal memo that Webster needs to improve its Title IX department. But findings from the separate federal investigation may require other changes. Chester Bacon is one of two students who filed a Title IX complaint against a game design professor. Bacon didn't file the federal complaint, but he hopes that it could make the university take action.
2: Is it going to give people justice? Probably not. But at least, you know, they'll be held accountable because for me, I can't foresee them doing anything correctly.
0: University officials would not comment further on the investigation or the audit. I'm Kay Petrin, St. Louis Public Radio. The leader of Missouri's Senate Democrats is praising Republican Governor Mike Parsons' leadership more than a year into his tenure. Parson became governor after Eric Greitens resigned in June 2018. Senate Minority Leader Gina Walsh says Parson's experience as a state lawmaker has paid off in getting workforce development and transportation measures across the finish line this past session.
2: This governor seems to remember the process and where he came from and how it works. And that's an advantage of serving in those chambers and moving up as opposed to never
0: serving before. Members of both parties say they appreciate how Parson is more collaborative with legislators, as opposed to former Governor Greitens' combative posture. You can hear more of Walsh's interview on our Politically Speaking podcast. That's up on our website, stlpublicradio.org. The Missouri State Treasurer says his office returned $45 million in unclaimed property to residents over the last fiscal year. Scott Fitzpatrick says it is a record amount for the unclaimed property division. State law requires financial institutions to turn over assets that have been abandoned to the treasurer's office. Fitzpatrick says one in 10 Missouri residents has unclaimed property with an average return of about $300. And you can check whether you have unclaimed property at showmemoney.com. Almost a year ago, Teddy Washington was one of 10 incoming African American students at Washington University suspected of leaving a Clayton Road restaurant without paying. St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis recently spoke with Teddy and his family as they reflected on the incident.
2: On an afternoon in late June, Teddy Washington is sitting at his family's kitchen table in Pasadena Hills, about 10 miles away from Clayton, where he and nine other African American students were stopped by police officers after attending a concert on a Friday night last July.
1: We took the MetroLink back into Clayton. We were trying to decide what to eat, and the only one of the only places that's open at that time of night is IHOP. So we um, went in there. Uh, we all enjoyed a kind of late,
2: kind of breakfast, dinner
1: kind of situation. <laughs>
2: It was close to midnight when the students left the restaurant and stopped at a nearby CVS. They walked along Brentwood Boulevard heading back to the Metrolink station. That's when Clayton police confronted the group of students to ask if they were the perpetrators of a reported dine and dash at that same IHOP. The emotions, I think
1: is mostly shock, but it's that initial adrenaline rush that you just, you kind of freeze because you, yes, yeah, so you just kind of freeze. So that's, that's probably how I could explain it.
2: After some of the students showed the police their receipts, the group all walked back to the restaurant to prove they had paid. That's when IOP employees told the officers that Washington and the others were not the people who had left without paying. When news of what happened spread, many in the community accused Clayton police of racial profiling, including leaders, faculty, and students at WashU. As a result, Clayton officials apologized for its response and met with the WashU students, their family members, and faculty. But a year later, the incident still lingers on the minds of the Washingtons. Teddy's father, Theo Washington, says he remembers the moment when he learned that the police stopped vividly.
1: We actually found out think, a, um, like a Tuesday afternoon with uh, an email from um, Dean Wilde, Washington University, alerting us what happened. So we had no idea that night, and uh, once we he- heard about it, we talked to um, Teddy to make sure he was okay.
2: Theo Washington says he believes the incident was an example of racial profiling. Although he says he's been a victim of profiling before, the incident still took him off guard. With several family members serving as police officers, the family has a generally positive opinion of law enforcement. Teddy says the experience caused him to think about the way he defines his own privilege growing up as a middle-class African-American.
1: It's interesting because Teddy talked about feeling privileged, which is amazing to me, really, and it's a blessing.
2: That's Denise Washington, Teddy's mother.
1: The one, I guess if you want to call it a privilege I had when I was in high school, it was the fact that my uncle was chief of police. So it was like I, I took comfort in that.
2: The incident sparked several changes for the Clayton Police Department, including the introduction of more regular sensitivity training sessions. The Washington family says the discussions with the police department were effective, but they want to see dialogue on race-related issues continuing. Teddy Washington hopes having those discussions about the incident will spark more changes.
1: I think it brought reality to those situations. It made me keenly aware that there are things that we need to fix as far as relationships with black people and police. And there is a responsibility that comes with having those interactions and doing something to change them.
2: Clayton officials said last year they mishandled the situation and that the meeting with the students, family members, and WashU faculty was emotionally powerful and transformative. I'm Chad Davis, St. Louis Public Radio.
0: That report is part of a collaboration with Before Ferguson, Beyond Ferguson. To tell stories of generations of families trying to achieve their American dream. It was produced in partnership with the Pulitzer Center. Our Holly Edgel edited that piece. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt, and from the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom, this has been The Gateway.